0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our text today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, the ninth chapter, verses one through five. I encourage you to join with me in your Bible uh, or the pew Bible that's in front of you. Again, it's Romans 9. Verses 1 through 5. Let us now hear the words of the Lord today. Paul writes I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Christ, who is over all, God-blessed, forever. Amen. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? So, Almighty God, as we gather this morning, as we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed, we humbly ask that you would speak to us. Speak to us so that we would clearly hear what it is that you want us to know, what it is that you want us to do. So that as we leave this time in communion with you, that we would be not just hearers of your words but doers of your words. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So in that epic classic baseball movie, Bull Durham, you are introduced to a whole cast of characters that you might find in any minor league ballpark and in any minor, on any minor league team. But shortly into the movie, one of the characters you get introduced to is a young man by the name of Jimmy. Now, Jimmy is somewhere probably between uh, 20 to 23 years old. You know, he's a son. He has probably grown up in a church. He has probably been a part of FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and his faith means something to him. Essentially, the role that he plays in this movie, his character is the clubhouse Christian. Now, what I mean by that is he is one that is all on fire for Jesus, and it exudes every aspect of his life so much so that with all the tomfoolery that happens in the locker room after the game, when the players are talking about what they're gonna do and the managers are fussing at them, at some point it quiets down and Jimmy stands up and Jimmy says, hey now fellas, this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon after after batting practice, I'm gonna have Bible study right here in the locker room if anyone wants to join me. And the room gets quiet and then it all unfolds, the chaos and whatever happens afterwards. So there's this look where it's almost like Jimmy doesn't get anyone that's going to take him up on this offer for Bible study. But there's this burning desire on his part to make sure his teammates know that the Bible exists and that he's a Christian and he is willing to grow alongside them. The movie unfolds and about halfway through the movie, the team comes in from a long road trip They get in early in the morning and remember the minor leagues at this time are the bus leagues. And so they come off the bus, they're bleary eyed, they're exhausted. They're sort of parceling out to their cars or their girlfriends or their wives, whoever's going to take them home. And Jimmy gets off and Millie is one of the the girls that kind of hangs around the ballpark. And she says to Jimmy, Jimmy, can I give you a ride home? Jimmy is exhausted, but he perks up and he says, sure. Can I give you my testimony on the way home? Now, I am sure that is not what Millie was thinking their conversation would be about, but Jimmy's determined to do this because his modus operandi is to share his faith. His modus operandi is to share with anyone who will listen the joy of what he has found in a relationship with God because he wants them to have it as well. He wants them to find meaning and purpose in their life. He wants them to have a relationship with God. He wants them to ultimately know about salvation and that it has come even for them. So it's this poignant moment, sure, can I give you my testimony? And Miller says, sure, you can tell me whatever you want to. But as Jimmy's wrestling with this, as Jimmy does whatever it is he does, he tells his testimony, you know that that's his burning desire. You know that's who he is. That's the role he plays. In the text that we read today, Paul is doing the same thing. Paul has been spending the the previous eight chapters talking to the church in Rome about grace and about God's love for them and about how, how God is all and powerful. And today he confesses them. He says, I tell you the truth, as if he's not been telling the truth beforehand. But he says, I tell you the truth, my heart burns. Like, could I be cut off? I would rather be cut off. And some texts say, I would rather go to hell so that others would know the joy I have found in Jesus. I would be rather separated from Christ so that you would not be. He is very passionate about this. He wants to make sure that both the Romans know how important this faith is, but he even has anguish for his friends in the Jewish tradition who have not yet seen that Jesus is the Messiah. He wants to make sure that they know that he wants to witness to them and share the faith with them so that they would know a meaning and purpose for their life, that they would have a relationship with God, that they would know that salvation has come for them. And so as we read this, we hear his angst about sharing the faith. But maybe the question really boils needs to come back to us is, do we have this same fervor in our lives? And we have stood up and said, here I am, Lord, I want to follow you. But do we have this same fervor, the same conviction of faith to share it with everyone that we meet like Paul does? Do we understand that the great commission that Jesus lays out in Matthew to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, that that is directed at us as well, not just to the 12. Do you understand that we are to go into the world around us each and every day and share the love of God and invite people to experience that themselves? And so as Paul's angst about this idea of sharing faith challenges us to think about the same thing too. And it really begs up the questions, well, then why should we do it? How should we do it? And when and where should we do it? And these questions are really important because what most of us, my guess is, have grown up in an era where there's really these things, you know, these rules and social settings. Like imagine Thanksgiving, there's rules about what you talk about at Thanksgiving, right? When you're with your family, you don't talk about what? You don't talk about politics, religion, and there's always a cousin you never bring up. We laugh about this, but we know this is true. And so when we sort of carry that over, not just to the Thanksgiving table, but in life around us, and we're not talking about politics, we're not talking about faith, then how do we tell the story? And yet the very part of our calling as Christians, the very part of what you and I are about, not just to be followers of Christ, but that we are to tell the story so that others too might come alongside us and follow along with us. So we ask ourselves, well, why should we do it? Well, we could simply do like, like if you were growing up as a child or maybe those of you that have parent or children at home, you know, your kids come to you with lots of questions. Why, mom? Why, dad? Why, why, why? And generally at some point you get frustrated and you say what? Because I said so. And that's the Supreme Court answer right there. When, when mom or dad rolls out because I said so, that ends the debate. So we ask ourselves, why should we do this? Well, we could simply say because Jesus said so yet I think it goes deeper than that, deeper than just a commandment, deeper than a commission on a mountainside to the disciples and to us. Because what it's really about, why we should be sharing our faith is about what we have experienced. It's about what we are a part of, because now when we have said, I want to follow Jesus, that Jesus has died on the cross for me and for my sins, it becomes very personal. And we know the depth of God's love for us. And so now we are a part of this story. And as we own it in our hearts, don't we want to pass it along? Shouldn't we want to share that joy so that as we find meaning and purpose in our lives, that there's more to it than just eating and sleeping and going to work and to school and having a weekend and all of that. That there's more to it than just that, that we have a real purpose in our calling that each of us have been gifted to make a difference in the world for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. That as we begin to know and build this relationship with God, we begin to see our purpose, the meaning of why we exist. And isn't that something that we want to share with others too, so that they can have that aha moment that we have had as to what we are about and whose we are and what we're supposed to be doing with our lives? So that it's not just mundane living, but that it's kingdom living. And as we begin to realize this idea of purpose, we begin to realize the depth of God's love and the understanding of love at a much deeper level. And we use love so casually sometimes. We're like, oh, I love this. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love you. But do we really know what we're saying? I mean, oftentimes we think of love and we think of romance. Or maybe we get to love and we get down to family level, familial love. But the gospel is built on agape love. This idea that God would love us in spite of us, that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love, that God just gives it to us freely and that we are called to love each other the same way, that we live and love each other with nothing expected in return. So we begin to understand that love at a deeper level. Don't we want to share that with the world around us? That's why we wanna share our faith because in this sacred story, we learn to understand peace and joy and hope at deeper levels than shiny things or materialism. We recognize that the sacred story is about salvation and forgiveness, that in spite of ourselves, that God loves us enough to forgive us of our wrongdoings, that we can come to the table of the Lord every time and we can receive a meal of the kingdom, the body and blood of Christ, broken and shed for us. So when all this information comes together, what we begin to realize is that we have a story. We have a story that we should tell to the nations. We have a story that the world is desperate to hear. So that's why we need to be like Jimmy. That's why we need to share our faith. But if we understand why, then we begin to ask ourselves, well, then how do we do it? Because that makes me wildly uncomfortable. When we think about Jimmy saying, To someone, I've got a Bible study starting this afternoon after batting practice. Or let me give you my testimony. That seems very foreign territory for us. And it seems foreign to us because sometimes we don't think we are worthy to tell the story. The reality is we are the people to tell the story. Because if God has done this for you and for me, then the world also can receive this gift. Or maybe we don't think that we can tell this story because we don't have it all figured out. Folks, none of us have it all figured out because we are learning about God each and every day. The more that we spend in study of the Bible, the more that we spend in prayer, the more that we ask God to show us the way, the more God reveals to each of us every day. So we don't have the market cornered and none of us do. So let's tell the story to invite each other to learn alongside each other. But faith sharing is really about living faithfully. I mean, it's really about this idea of our examples. It really thinks about how we live our lives. One of the greatest cliches that's out there is this idea that Christians are the best example of what it means to be Christ like. But there's a corollary that's got a dark side to it. It also says Christians are also sometimes the worst examples of being Christ-like. And what the person that coined that means is that when we wrap ourselves in the banner of Christ and we live Christ-like ways, then we show the world what that means. But when we wrap ourselves in that banner and then we do not live up to the standards of Christ, then our witness undercuts the work that we're doing, the work of the sacred story so when it begins to challenge us to think about what we do and what we say and how important these things are, when it challenges us that if we confess this with our lips that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, then we must live that in every aspect of our lives. And the things that we do, in the things that we say, in what we post online. Because let me tell you, folks, when you start to think about what we say, once it's out of our mouths, once it's put online and it's out there it's out there forever we can't grab the words back we can apologize for them but those words echo and live and if you put it online it's going to be on a server for eternity I promise you so before we think before we act before we do we need to ask ourselves is it kind is it loving And if we're going to speak about something is it true Because if it's not 100% true and we post it online, what we have done is broken the ninth commandment. We are bearing false witness to the world and it's permanent. See, faith sharing, witnessing our faith is just what we say. It's how we live our lives. It's how we treat each other. It's how we act when no one is looking. That's the first step. The second step is the interactions, the relationships that we build with each other. Folks, the world out there is hungering and searching for meaning and purpose, what we have found in this place. And so when we come alongside the people that we have relationships with and we just spend time listening to them, listening to their fears, their concerns, their needs, when we begin to listen to them, it opens a door for us to engage in a conversation that shows them a better way. We don't have to tell our faith journey right out of the bat, right out of the gate. Instead, we can just listen to them and hear their concerns. Sit silently and let them pour out their pain. Give them a shoulder to cry on, someone to listen to. Let them see God through us. Let them realize the presence of God through our presence, our demeanor, our relationships. And as these conversations unfold, maybe they get to the point where they say, why is it that, how do you face these things? And maybe just, maybe that's the door that cracks open where you can talk about how your faith influences your life, how it influences how you live, how you can invite them into that sacred story to come alongside you in church, in Bible study, not to pass them off to someone else, but to journey beside them. Every step of the way until the story becomes their story. Till it ignites a fire within their heart that burns brightly for others to see as well. That's how we share faith by being the people that God calls us to be in the world around us. Which means if we now know why we do it and how we do it, then when and where should we do it? And folks, the answer to this is every day is an opportunity to share our faith, every place that we go is an opportunity, every person that we meet is an opportunity. How often do we think about what happens in this space, in this sanctuary, during this sacred hour of worship, and we keep it right here? Or do we take it home and we talk about it over lunch? Do we talk about what we learned in church or what we heard? Do we discuss how it might impact our lives? Do we discuss that in our families or in our friend groups? Do we check in on that on Sunday afternoons, but also on Wednesday? Are we thinking about it in the course of our work? We can share our faith at work or at school or at home in the neighborhood by simply teaching the principles that we learn here. We never have to invoke the name of Jesus right out of the gate, but we can talk about behavior where we practice grace and forgiveness, honesty and integrity, treating people with respect and dignity, loving our neighbor as ourselves. You can tell people about that anywhere you go. Those that know the Bible will recognize where it came from. Others will think, that's pretty common sense until they start asking the deeper questions. And then there are not it common sense, but it's divine wisdom. Or what about how we conduct business? What if we conduct business in a ways that would please God where, yes, we're maybe working towards profit, but we're not doing it at the expense of others. Where we're valuing our customers and our employees alike. See, when practicing practicing our faith becomes a part of everything that we do all the time, then the world takes notice and the world wants to know what makes us different. What makes us different? And that allows us to have the conversation to share our faith. So I think back to Bull Durham and I think back to that locker room, and I think it's fair to say that most of us, because of how we've been raised, most of us are not like Jimmy, and that we're willing to stand up and say, hey, after staffing today, I've got a Bible study in my cubicle if anyone wants to come. Or someone offers to help us with the yard work or with a project or with homework, they will say, boy, I could sure use your help, but can I kind give you my faith story first. probably not our initial reaction, but does our faith burn so brightly in our hearts that we look for ways to share it? That we let the light eke out in every aspect of our lives so that people see nothing but the glory of God and the kingdom in us? Are we like Paul that this is a central part of who we are, that we want people to know the joy that we have found in this place and in this relationship with God. What we have found, we come to this table and we eat a simple meal of bread. And wine. When we do that, when that permeates who we are, then we are sharing our faith through our words and our actions and our outward witness shows the world that there is a way to find meaning and purpose, that you can have a great relationship with a God who loves you. And most importantly, that salvation has come for all of us in the form of Jesus Christ, So, friends, as we go forth from this hour of worship, as we go out into the world, let us do those words that we talk about so much each and every week. Let us be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word in every aspect of our life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.